Hello, hello, <laughs> and welcome to the Pick and Play podcast, where today we're going to be jumping around from the NBA to the NFL. We're going to be chopping it up. We got a special guest today talking a little New York sports. Definitely going to be defending his Jets. But first, let's let the beat build. All right, all right. Let's bring him in. Leo, as always, here to chop it up with us. How you doing? I'm good, man. It's a sunny day in uh, in Tampa, Florida here. I'm off. You know, anytime you're off and it's a good day outside, I feel like you can't complain about anything, and that's where I'm at today. There's no chance you can complain. I mean, I'm sitting staring out a window right now. It looks nice, and I, I'm, I'm trying to get to the outside world. And we got another guest here. Zell, how you doing? Fellas, fellas, what's good, man? Like Leo said, weather's nice outside. Can't complain. Sunny, palm trees. I'm, I'm doing good. Two guys from Florida, and of course, like typical Floridians, neither one of you root for any of the teams locally. That just seems to be how it is. Uh, but we won't, we won't harp on the fact that Florida's full of uh, displaced sports fans. Until now, I mean, you guys winning championships. Now you're gonna have a ton of people on the bandwagon. But let's jump into the NBA to start. Um, and, you know, uh, LeBron is back. AD is, is back. Uh, the only people that aren't back, though, are the Lakers. Leo, you going to play in a play-in game? Hold on. Is LeBron back? You know, we, we got a little dose of LeBron, and then he, he immediately leaves again with, uh, I guess, re or re-injuring the ankle uh, i'm not really even sure what the injury is but they just announced that he's out for the next two games here against i believe the clippers and the trailblazers two really big games that the lakers need uh but yeah it looks like he's out again so i uh, i am starting to get worried under 10 games left his ankle's not feeling good it's not looking good for us right now i'm not gonna lie not looking good zell what's your basketball team i'm a knicks fan oh okay okay so you you're having a renaissance here leo had his last year and now we get to see you know the knicks are in the limelight the lakers fading i gotta tell you leo i think they've already punted it i think that they decide they're gonna play this play-in game and that's gonna be the end of it and they're kind of just locked into that no i mean there's no way that they're (laughs) they're conceding the play-in game right now there's no way 10 games out lebron's hurt again you think he comes back before I the think, end of the season? Yeah, I, I definitely think he comes back before the end of the season because I don't think that they want to play in a playing game. <laughs> Especially not if there's a potential for you to get matched up with Steph Curry. We talked about that you know, ad nauseum on the last episode, that Steph Curry is just not someone that you want to see in a one-game type of matchup. You know, he could hang 50 on you, and you, now you're at home. So I definitely think he'll be back if, if they're in contention for that play-in tournament. You know, if they're hanging around the sixth seed or if they can claw their way back to the fifth seed, then I don't see him coming back. But if it's possible for them to be seven, eight, nine, ten, LeBron's coming back. All right, then. Zell, give me two of these teams that make that make the playoffs in the five or six seed. Dallas, Lakers, Portland, Golden State. I like Dallas and the Lakers. Okay. Uh, because... If LeBron misses two games, which I think, it, like Leo said, he's going to miss these next two games, I don't think that'll be too big of a hit. AD's back. He's trying to get his groove um, from being out from that calf injury. But like Leo said, there's no way they're going to just 
concede, punt it, and say, hey, you know, we'll just do the playing tournament because that's the unknown. You can run into a Steph, a Dame Lillard, who can go crazy in just that one game. And I'm more confident, and at least if LeBron misses two games, he'll come back and they'll be all right. Um, so I'm more confident in Dallas and the Lakers holding on to that five and that six spot in the West. Even without LeBron, the Lakers are still the number one defense in the NBA. And so right. yeah, I'm definitely going to take them over the Trailblazers, who've been better on defense lately. Ever since Nurkic, it looks like he found his groove again. Um, and, and so they look like they're at least average on defense, which is an improvement. But they have easily the best defense of all the teams that you just named, and I think that they'll be able to scrap and claw their way to a couple wins even without him. You know, So mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if they are able to take out Portland You know, without LeBron James. Maybe not the Clippers, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them take out Portland, and that's going to be a huge game because I, I believe that that determines the tiebreaker between those two teams. So that... Uh, I expect to see their best effort regardless. I do not think that they're punting. Do you think that, Matt? Next five games they have, Clippers, Portland, Phoenix, Knicks, Houston. I don't even know if it's a matter of punting. Houston's, Houston's the only one in there you can pencil in. They, it's just a tough schedule for them. It's a tough schedule going forward, and and I'm, I'm not saying that they're necessarily punting. I think you – you just kind of have to dive into it and go, is LeBron James going to – like he? we know now he rushed himself back and then he got hurt again. You go into the play-in game. If you go the play-in game route, right, let's just say that's, that's where you go. Let's say you get the eight seed. You end up playing Phoenix or Utah. Here, here's also a little thing to think about. Seventh and eighth seeds are going to play Phoenix or Utah. If you get five or six, you're going to play the Clippers or the Nuggets. So I think there's this. there could be this whole, I don't see you want to go in the playing game, but if you end up in the playing game and they say, okay, LeBron, you have to, these are the teams you'd have to beat in the playing game. Memphis and San Antonio. I don't know. I think <laughs> I think you got to be able to beat them. I know one game could be anything, but I mean – you would you in I'll put it this way would you rather play in the first round of the playoffs Phoenix Utah or the Clippers and Denver the only team of that group that w would concern me would have me maybe shaking in my boots a little bit is the Clippers I don't really mind having to face the Suns I don't really mind having to face the Jazz and the Lakers just beat the Nuggets last night or two nights ago yeah. you know without yeah, LeBron so as long as it's not the Clippers, then I think it'll be fine. Now, if it is the Clippers, that's where, you know, shit might get a little scary at that point. So that's kind of where you're at right now. If you end up in the seventh, in the, in the sixth seed, you're going to play the Clippers, which, you know, that's what NBA, honestly, that's what NBA wants. So uh, I, I'm not saying that they're going to influence it to that way. But <laughs> last year we did, you know, we got blue balls from last year where they said, oh, Clippers, Lakers, Clippers, Lakers, Clippers, Lakers. And then the Nuggets tripped the Clippers up and the Clippers got to go to the strip club early. So actually they went to the strip club early and they went to strip club late. So um, with Lou Will on that 
lemon pepper. But what I think <laughs> really lemon pepper Lou. <laughs> lemon pepper Lou. So I think what we're looking at, you know, we're going to keep an eye on it. Right now they've fallen into that little zone. I don't know how they do tiebreakers. I think it's a win percentage. Uh, but I think the Lakers have already won the head-to-head against Dallas. So I'm not sure where that will turn out. But it is something to keep an eye on as we go. Flipping over to the Eastern Conference right now. All right. Just talk a little Knicks. Uh, okay, season starts. Where did you think you were going to be? Any Knicks fan that says that they thought we would have been in a top four seed, a top eight seed in the East yeah. before the season started, they're lying to you. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> I am, like, more of a realist. So yeah. I personally thought, like, I knew we would have seen growth from RJ, seen growth from Randall, not to this extent, but – I personally thought we maybe would have been like somewhere like bottom four, bottom five team in the East, just from what we saw last year. And then Thibs being out of the league for a couple of years, everybody knows, you know, his type of style. Like he runs his, you know, starters hard. He's a hard nosed coach. He had a younger team when he was in Minnesota and they did well. Um, I think they got to the second round of the playoffs or Jimmy Butler yeah with Jimmy Butler Butler, Wiggins Cat and them but obviously you saw how that ended but so I was kind of skeptical as far as how the young team that we had was going to adapt to his style his hard coaching and his ways so this is definitely like a surprise for me um but the ironic thing is that they're playing like those successful Knicks teams back in like the early 2000s and the 90s um and somewhat the team in like 2012 and 2013 with Melo, just having, you know, a hard-nosed team, they get up in you defensively, they rebound hard, they're scrappy, you know, they play hard, and you can see they have like a camaraderie within the team. Um, they play hard for each other. Obviously, they play through Randall, but I, I, any Knicks fan would be lying to you if they thought they'd be where we're at right now. So I'm kind of just enjoying the ride, and the fact that we're going to be in the playoffs is a win for me, so... Yeah, you guys are going to get home court for a series. And look, uh, uh, 37-28 right now, 65 games in, only seven left. Uh, You know, not saying they've locked themselves into that top half, but a probably good chance. But how did you feel when Zion gave the little nod to New York, said how much he loved it? So I mean, you guys are already on cloud nine. So, on top of, like, being a Knicks fan for college basketball, I'm a Duke fan. So, the <laughs> year, like, okay. Z- that Zion, John, RJ draft, when, ironically, we had the best percentage to get the number one pick, and everybody's like, Kyrie, Zion, KD, like, you know, there was no way that really was going to happen. Um, it would have been nice, but first off, we didn't have any, you know, they changed the lottery odds. So, yeah, we yeah. had the highest percentage to get the first pick, but knowing, like, Nick's luck and draft history we probably weren't going to get it and we didn't even get second we got third and RJ's my boy too but it's like yeah, you know Zion and Ja and everybody was looking at it as the one two draft but just from him saying that and I know him and RJ had that connection it's nice to hear but I think anybody really likes playing at MSG especially when there's fans you know New York's the mecca of basketball and everybody LeBron, Dame um, RP the great Kobe they've all talked about how New York, they love playing MSG. They love playing in the garden. So, I mean, it's not different than what anybody else said. So, he's not a free agent for, like, another, what, four years, if that. Yeah, so, it's yeah, it's, it was nice, but it's like, you know, be realistic. It's, it might not happen. So, 
Now, here's the thing. It can be three. You know, uh, that's the way typical yeah, items to go. Mm-hmm. You know, so everyone leaves for that last deals up because they know they can't get re-signed and before the value is at zero. So I don't know. Uh, right now, when you see the Knicks, the Knicks actually took the spot. I gave out the Wizards as the team that would be the surprise team in the East. That mm-hmm. did not work out. Oh, hey, well, on the come up well lately, hold I'm on. Hold on. They're putting it together. They're putting it together a little. Yeah. Better late than never, you know. They are going to be in the play-in game. But, you know, the four seed is actually taken by New York. So, Very true. Uh, got that a little off, but I just wanted to see your perspective on that. I mean, you um, can't feel bad about that. It, you could have bet me any amount of money before the season started that New York would get home court advantage for a playoff series, and I would have accepted your bet. A- no. Any amount of money, even numbers that I don't even have in my bank account. I would have yeah, said, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Ams, yeah, that's look. It is crazy, but that's typical. You know, you want to know the value of good coaching. It's right there. Yep. Like it's just right there. You look at what Thibodeau's doing, and then we talked about Zion. We look at Van Gundy in New Orleans. There's no excuses for how bad New Orleans is this year. Mm-hmm. It just comes down to coaching. And Thibodeau, you know, a lot of these coaches struggle through eras of. Oh, you know, they're not they're not like grinders anymore and yada yada yada, but that's not true. It's just all about how you motivate people. Right. And you look at you look at Thibodeau and the what the Knicks are doing, I mean, insane. Thirty seven and twenty eight, nine games up with five games to play. They will finish with above a five hundred record no matter what happens. And they're going to at least get a play-in game. I really hope that New York opens up for their playoff series because I, I may take a bus up there and just go sit in New York while the Nets and the Knicks are playing because that's going to be crazy. Man, oh, my God. Um, New York might yeah. burn to the ground. Oh, Man, yeah. It's so crazy because, like, I've told people – I mean, I've said this to Leo and I've told people this who I talk to about sports all the time. Like, I just wanted them to be competitive this year and yeah. establish a culture because that's how you bring in – players and big time players who want to come play for you it's not oh it's the knicks oh it's new york like that's not like this is 2021 you're not going to get anybody just off of name and off of city you know so i just wanted them to be competitive establish a culture and the fact that they did that and they're actually winning those are the three things you need to show that you're a competent franchise and Thibs has done like he's exceeded my expectations beyond what i thought could happen in this first year and like he's a I mean he grew up a Knicks fan he was an assistant with Jeff Van Gundy so like it means more to him I feel like it's a lot personal so it even feels better you know knowing that like this is something that he takes very seriously and seeing the success that we're having and hopefully you know we can stay competitive you know for years throughout like I had to deal the last 10 years besides two of them where (laughs) (laughs) um, this time of the season I'm kind of like damn, okay, we need to just keep losing to try to, you know, up our lottery <laughs> yeah. odds and things Mock like that. Mock draft Yeah, exactly. And now it's like, nah, I want I want to get home court because, you know, we're still only like, what, a game and a half above Atlanta. And we've got, you mentioned the Lakers coming up um, in some of our games. I think we play the Suns again, Suns again and we just lost a close one to them um, a couple last week. That was the one loss we've had in our last 13 games. We got the Clippers. So we've got some tough games coming up. Um, yeah, it's to Denver, it. Phoenix, Clippers, Denver Lakers, tonight, right? mm-hmm. San Ann. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Five the Celtics. Playoff teams. The Celtics. And the Celtics. So, it's, yeah, it's tough. But, I mean, the way Thibs has got these guys playing, man, like, even if we don't end up with home court, let's say we end up in five, six slot or whatever, I know none of those teams in the East 
want to see the Knicks in the first round because that's going to be a hell of a battle and a hell of a series, whoever we play, just because of how hard they play. So, Let me ask you both a, a question real quick before we move on to the Nets. The, the Charlotte Hornets and the Washington Wizards are both going to be involved in the playing tournament, most likely. Which one of those teams would you two rather see grab that eighth seed? I think that we can all agree that we would like to see Boston in the seventh seed just because we want to see Tatum, we want to yeah. see Jalen Brown, we want to see the best talent. But if you had to pick between the Hornets and the Wizards, who are you picking and why? I mean, for me, it's the Wizards, and it's just the same thing. A big preseason, I thought this would be a thought this would be a competitive team. It took a little while. COVID hit them early, and they, they kind of took a while to get their feet underneath them. But for me... Uh, the Charlotte, it's great what they're doing, and they have a lot of. They don't really have a lot of young pieces. They have some young pieces. Um, I really want to see Beal in the spotlight. I want to see Russ in the spotlight. I want to see a triple double and a loss. I want to see a triple double and a win. Uh, it's exciting basketball with the Wizards all the time. So I'm in for that. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with Matt. I want to see the Wizards too, just to have Westbrook and Beal in that type of atmosphere and environment. You know, with playoffs to see how hard Westbrook grows and to see Beal to get that opportunity I would rather see them the Hornets is, I like what they're building and I like what they've done this year obviously they've had the LaMelo injury he's back Hayward's been injured and now I think Miles Bridges who's been playing pretty great this year I think he's out I think COVID um, uh, health and safety protocols and things like that but um, I'd rather see the Wizards get it just because they've been playing so well lately. Westbrook's been playing out of his mind, and I think they would bring more competitiveness and you know more ratings too um, if we get to see them in that A spot. See, also, uh, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I was just thinking that if if Brooklyn was in that number one spot, you know, if they had the number one seed in the East, then I would really, really like to see the Wizards in the eighth seed just so that we could get a little Russ versus KD in the first round. Uh, but mm-hmm. I feel like the Sixers, I feel like the Sixers have a have a tight grip on that number one spot. I know it's only two games in the loss column, but you know the Nets just dropped two in a row. Uh, I feel like the Nets are going to settle into that two or three spot. So mm-hmm. if I'm not getting Russ versus KD, then I'd rather have Lamelo get that last spot, and, and I want to see what the young kid can do in his first playoff series. So transitioning over to the Nets there. Uh, they have lost twice to Milwaukee. They, which let's. Yeah, let's can all... we talk about that? Can we talk about those two games yeah. about uh, against Milwaukee? Because I've yeah. been banging the table for months that the Bucks could be the team that takes them out. And I know that they didn't have James Harden. I get it, but at this point, do we know when James Harden is going to be available? Like, I, I don't That's think that point. we know, right? So, I, I was going to say, did you see Kevin Durant? Ta- did you watch the game last night? I did, did absolutely. Kevin- you see Kevin Durant take that charge from Giannis? Yes, my man flew a good, a good eight <laughs> feet. I was wondering why he did that. If he wants to take those charges, the Bucks are going to let him because he ain't going to hold up with that. That is not fair. <laughs> the size of Giannis when he took that charge, I was like, now it was Giannis's third foul, but I was like, oh my God, KD, you're coming off an injury. That has to hurt. I mean, a shoulder to the solar plexus just you know, full steam from Giannis I'm like all right good luck I don't know how many of them you're gonna take and to Harden's point Harden hasn't played in a while who knows what shape he comes back in by the way mm-hmm. and then we have KD who's perpetually hurt and on and off um I don't think 
you know, Harden coming back is wonderful. I think that's great for them. But when you look at their defense, and that's what killed them, is every time that Milwaukee needed a bucket, they could just go get they a bucket. They got it. That's very, yeah. Yep. And so who's coming off? You understand that everyone who's, like, on that court right now with Harden not on there is a better defender than Harden. If you bring Harden in there, I'm not sure what you're doing off ball at all. I'm not sure how – I'm not saying you're a worse team. I just don't know if you're a better matchup. Does that make sense? Like, I don't know what that what that really does to you. Now, you're going to go, oh, we're going to score a bunch of points. But the clock runs out eventually. It's not like a game where you can just keep going and going, well, when you're tired and done scoring, you know, we're going to keep scoring. Clock runs out, and it's not like they're not scoring a bunch of points against Milwaukee. Milwaukee's just putting up, like, seven more. And the whole last down that stretch of that game, Milwaukee just held him at breach and then went with it. So that's interesting. These last two games that the Bucks and the Nets played were basically like playoff games, like the yep. environment for them. And you could feel it like Giannis and KD were taking shots back and forth and they were both stepping up to do what they needed to do to try to propel them to wins. And like Leo said, obviously they didn't have Harden, but I'm me personally, I'm not impressed by anything Milwaukee does until I see what they do in the postseason. Yeah, yeah, Just because yeah. I've seen the last five uh, years, the Celtics, the Raptors, the Heat, everybody pretty much that's been at the top of the East take them out at some point because they, when it comes to playoff basketball, it shrinks. All right, hold on. Half court. Let so, me push back on you a little bit there, though. Is this not a, a different version of the of the Bucks team, though? Like, I feel like this this mm-hmm. version of the Bucks is very different than the versions we've seen prior because they've got guys that can. They've got a secondary playmaker now. Uh, mm-hmm. They've gotten a, an, an elite perimeter defender now. Even mm-hmm. the, the the role players like DiVincenzo and and PJ Tucker and Bobby Portis, like I like those guys a lot better than what they had before. So mm-hmm. is it fair to say that you know just because of prior years that that we shouldn't take them too seriously this year? I just feel uh, like they're being slept on a little bit. Whose team is it? Giannis's team. Right. As long as Giannis is there, it's Giannis's team. Pieces can come and go. It's the same team, Giannis's team. That's the way I look at it. I got to see him in the playoffs hammering dudes. That's the way it's got to work. He's got to go in there. He's got to hand like last night. When it came down to it, he was taking the shots. They were from three, some of them. They were driving to the lane and getting that bucket, getting the end one. I have to see that in the playoffs. Yeah. And I got to see it consistently. Yeah. I will give you that, though, Leo. Like, that's a very good point as far as, like, that addition of Drew Holiday and then getting P.J. Tucker there at the deadline definitely, you know, makes them a different team um, because, obviously, Giannis and Middleton weren't enough to get it done down the stretch. And Giannis... I respect him for trying to, you know, step up, take those shots that he's doing now. But I, I, I just need to see it in the playoffs. And if they need, if they are who they're supposed to be, they need to make it out of the East because we've seen them get past first round, seen them make it to the Eastern Conference Final, we've seen them get to the quarterfinal, and it's the same thing that stops them. Like Matt was just saying, it's Giannis's team. It's Giannis is the one who can't create his shot off the dribble or hit that three when he needs to, or make those free throws when he needs to. You know what I'm saying? So it's not like I'm just going to grab the rebound, take a couple steps, and I'm just going to play NBA Street and dunk it. In the half court, if you're more efficient, and now that you have Holiday and Tucker, this is more reason for you to you know, take that next step and get to where you need to in the finals. So yes, 
they are a different team. And yes, obviously, we saw with the passing games of the Nets, they are a threat. But I'm not convinced until I, like Matt said, I see it in the playoffs. Yep, and that's where I'm sitting. Yeah, I, I mean, I can agree with both of you guys on that. He needs to prove it in the playoffs. Uh, you know, my my last point on the Bucks is just that I think that historically, at least in the last couple of years, the teams that we see give the Bucks fits are the the teams that have the big athletic guys that can kind of help form that wall, right? That's that's the the terminology that we always hear. You got to build a wall against Giannis. And the teams that he's lost to, you know, he's lost to Siakam and Mark Gasol and, and, and Ibaka over there. You know, they, they had the bodies to build the wall. Uh, he lost to Miami. You know, they had Bam Adebayo. They had Jimmy Butler. You know, they had the they had the roster that is required to, to build that wall. I don't think the Nets have that roster. And so I, I can't promise that the Bucks are going to make it to the NBA Finals because I don't know how things are going to shake out. But I would put money on it that the Nets would rather not have to play the Bucks in seven games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, before we transition over to the NFL, uh, I want to run through a couple bets. Uh, this is odds to you got to win the play-in game and be at least the eighth seed. So we're only talking seven or eight seed here. Um, now, the, these teams could also somehow go on a run and end up higher. They just got to be in the actual playoffs, not the playing game. So I'm going to read off the team, and I'm going to read off their odds. You tell me, each one of you, give me, give me an idea if you like that bet or stay away from it. The Charlotte Hornets. If you think the Charlotte Hornets are going to make the playoffs, they're getting plus 152. So basically everyone out there doesn't know how uh, the gambling mechanics work. Uh, plus 152 means if you bet $100, you would win 152 back. So you would win your 100 back and then an additional 152. Uh, now they are minus 188 to not make it. So that the other way that works is you would have to bet $188 to win 100. That's just an easy way of thinking about it out there. So Charlotte Hornets are plus 152. Leo, start us off. You think they make it or no? You like those odds? I do like those odds, and I do think oh, that they oh. make it. I do think that they make it. I think that LaMelo Ball being back is going to give them the, the little jolt in the back that they needed. They stayed afloat pretty well while he was gone. They were still a decent team on both ends of the floor without him. So I say that he puts the battery in the back that they need to be able to make the playoffs. Yes. All right. Zell, what do you got? I like it too. Um, I just took a peek at their schedule and they've got the Bulls and the Magic and the Pelicans within their next three games. And I think Levine's coming back for their game um, tomorrow. But regardless, I you know, where they're at right now, they've got what, two games ahead to stay in that A spot. So yep. like Leo said, LaMelo coming back gives them enough of a jolt. He's their playmaker. He's, you know, their engine that makes it go. I think, you know, within those next three games, they can give themselves a little bit more of a cushion because after that, it does get a little tougher, but I, I like them to make it to that A spot. All right. Golden State Warriors. They're even money to make the playoffs. Even money. Plus 100. Mm. The Golden State Warriors. I'm going to be consistent because I said before the season started that the Golden State Warriors would be in the playoffs this year. Uh, I don't really like the bet, but I like the Warriors to make the, the playoffs. So, Saying I don't like the bet either, <laughs> but um, 
if I had to put money on it, I would bet them to make the playoffs also too, barring any major injury to Steph because he's unguardable right now. Like, it doesn't matter who they put out there. Uh, he, he can't be stopped. He's on another level. But I, I like them to get that A spot there. So I actually like the bet in, in the plus 100. You're basically saying that you think someone can beat Steph Curry in a single elimination game twice. And I'm I'm like, no, there's no one that's going to beat Steph Curry in those games. So I like it from that perspective, especially when one of those games may be, you know, if they end up playing the Lakers, that would be shittier for me. But if you're saying, hey, uh, it's it's Golden State versus Memphis in a one game. Oh, yeah. Golden State versus. So that's what I'm kind of angling for. Now, I think we all actually want quick sidetrack here. I think we all actually want Golden State versus Portland in that first round. We want that damn Curry, right? Like, that's what we want. Oh, uh, yeah. We want that's Adam side. Silver's be, wet dream. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That'd yeah. be fire. That's, all right. Here's the one that I think is the funniest. Best odds. The San Antonio Spurs. No. Plus 440. <laughs> no. Four and a half to one. No. No, big, I don't, big, I don't no. care what number you say. No. <laughs> yeah, put your money elsewhere. Put your yeah, funds okay. elsewhere. All right. Shout it out to Mark Rosen, but no. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it is really funny looking at that because you're like, you know, first off, Spurs, what are you even doing here? Like, everyone's <laughs> checking coats and they're like, Spurs, y'all are you're gonna make the playoffs again? And they're like, we're gonna try. <laughs> Time to transition, <laughs> pop. Time to transition. Yeah, yeah. It's too old now. All right, last one on the list: the Washington Wizards are plus one forty eight. So basically, you know, fifty percent back on your money. I mean, I already took the Hornets to make the playoffs, so I guess that means that I am not rocking with the Wizards to make the playoffs. Um, Out there, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll leave it at that. No, I'm going to say that they blow it here at the end. And actually, uh, I just don't believe in Boston that much, and that's the part that switched me up a little bit. I feel like Boston's a little... Let's kick Boston out. I feel like Boston has potential to fall out. They're free-falling right now. I I don't like what I see. I'm taking your side. Fuck them. Fuck Boston. <laughs> go, go Wizards. Go Charlotte. All right, Zell, what do you got there? I would love for the Wizards yeah. to steal the Boston spot in the playoffs. Oh, my gosh. Tatum's my guy. Another dude guy. Shout out Tatum. But Boston, I if the Wizards can somehow find a way to snag their spot and they slip up, that would be lovely. But I'm – if I was a bet man, nah, I wouldn't. I, I don't. I don't think it'll happen. I would love for it to happen, but being realistic, I, I don't think it'll happen. So, we would need the Hornets to beat the Celtics, and then mm-hmm. for the Celtics to lose to the Wizards, who would have to beat yeah. Indiana. If Indiana gets one of these playoff spots, I'm pissed. Oh my god, pissed. bro! I'm. Oh. Adam Silver mad too. Coach, like right now. Right. Yeah, Adam <laughs> Silver would be pissed. He's like, God, come on, guys, you can't let that kind of riffraff in here. <laughs> Um, all right, we're going to take a quick break. Then we're going to hop back on over, and we're going to break down the first three teams in the NFL draft. We're going to be talking the Jags, the Jets, and whatever the hell the 49ers are doing. We'll be right back. All right, so the NFL draft, big time for everyone. I think this is a um, big cuts, big, a lot of hope, a lot of hope. Um, Zell, your team, you guys drafted in the top, right? 
Yep. Number two overall. Pick overall. Two, two overall. overall. We'll get two overall. We'll get to them in just a minute because we we had it on Twitter, and I can't wait to do this again. <laughs> uh, Let's get it. Let's uh, get it. Uh, but let's start with the Jaguars. Everyone, they picked Trevor Lawrence's pick. I really want to talk about what they do at the second pick. Now, I can't think of a dumber thing that the Jaguars could have done than picked up a running back. Anyone else think that was just fucking crazy? I I am not in the camp of running backs don't have value, don't take them in the first. You know, I'm not one of those guys. Oh, I bet you don't, Derrick Henry. But <laughs> but when you have James Robinson, I thought James Robinson did enough last year, and maybe that's just like yes, fantasy right. football clouding my vision. But when I actually watched the Jaguars play football, it looked like he was a playmaker. So I felt like that was a little early to grab a back, especially considering that every single back except Najee Harris was available. Um, I don't love it, but as a Titans fan, I love it. Fuck up some more. <laughs> but yeah, I know. I, look, it's funny because people go, um, you know, we talk about draft grades. First off, draft grades, grades, absolute funniest thing that we do in the NFL. Okay, first we mock draft the shit out of it. Everyone's got a mock draft. We got a mock draft. Your neighbor's got a mock draft. They're like basketball brackets for the NCAA. Every motherfucker's got a bracket. And oh, they get busted immediately and oh, how fun it is. And, but we don't go back and then grade our bracket and go, oh, man, you know, grade F for picking so-and-so in this East. We do that immediately. Which we don't even let these guys get on the field. And then we're instantly like, no, fuck that and fuck them. We know nothing, by the way. We know jack shit about how these players are going to turn out. But we trash them. Now, sometimes, like what Jacksonville just did, they deserve it. But they still get like a high grade for drafting Lawrence. So I guess my, my question to you both is, do you get any credit for picking the guy you definitely were going to pick in Trevor Lawrence? Like, should that even factor into when we look at how a team drafted? We go, yep, you drafted Lawrence, but that's not evaluating your front office. You know, a blind person was going to pick Trevor Lawrence, someone mm-hmm. who's never watched football, and they're like, look, th- here is his numbers. You're like, oh, okay, well, duh. Like, give me Trevor Lawrence. How do you guys look at that? Zell, hit us. I think the Jaguars, as far as – because like you said, whoever got the number one pick this year is going to take Trevor Lawrence. So – Right. That's kind of fallen into your lap. The Jaguars lost 15 straight games after week one because they knew that's the route they wanted to go. But he's not he's only as good as what the coaching staff in the front office is going to surround him with and who they bring in. So I don't know how I feel about what they've done. I don't really like what they've done coaching staff wise, GM wise, like Urban Meyer. I mean, it's unknown to see how he's going to transition to the NFL. I just don't think that's going to be a good fit unless he's going to try to run a whole bunch of like screens and slants and short passes and try to run more of that RPO type system that Trevor did at Clemson to try to bring that to the NFL. And I don't see that really being successful, to be honest. And like what Leo said, I mean, you got James Robinson, who clearly proved he can be a three down back catch passes you run but you bring in Etienne and maybe you want to pair him with Lawrence again and keep that flow going but it's like they came out and said he's gonna be the third down back like yeah and stuff like that but what why would you yeah it just doesn't sit right with me at all and how funny was that that was that was horrible 
Like that was horrible. Like in like you're saying with the franchises who have a history of doing things like that, Jacksonville to me just doesn't. I don't know how you go from being in an AFC Championship what like three years ago and getting rid of all majority of those players. Ninety what eight percent? I think Miles Jack is the only one left from that defense to yep. have nothing to really show for it. I do like some of the guys that got Josh Allen, the pass rusher they got, uh, C.J. Henderson, yep. the quarterback, um, but I just I don't. I don't like what they did coaching staff wise and front office wise. Um, I mean, hopefully for Jacksonville fans, it's worth, but I don't, I don't, I don't like it. It doesn't sit right with me. Leo, you're a Titans fan. I know you don't want any goodwill towards the Jaguars. <laughs> so give us your take on what they did here. I'm loving the Jaguars off season hats off. <laughs> they, they continue to make me happy off season after off season after off season. I will say this, the, they drafted in the second round, they drafted two guys that I think might be, you know, impact players and not because, uh, you know, I did some great scouting on them. This is just based on, you know, the consensus of what I see. But uh, Tyson Campbell, uh, the corner that they selected, they do seem to select defense well. I'll give them that. But yes, that's yeah, gotten them nowhere. Yeah. You know, so uh, that's fine. If they if they draft another good corner, it's fine. They're, they're still going to lose games. And they drafted a left tackle from Stanford who's 6'7", 313 pounds. Uh, NFL draft comped him to Luke Jokel. Uh, so I think that they... They have potential, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. With the Jaguars, I don't ever expect anything that they do to turn out great. So <laughs> I, I fully expect Urban Meyer to be gone within like a year and a half for them to end up with like a top three pick next season. Um, to answer the original question, though, they don't get credit for drafting Trevor Lawrence because nope. any team in that spot at number one, all every team in the league, whoever had that spot was going to take Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Shit, if the Chiefs had that spot, they might take Trevor Lawrence. So, no, you, yeah. no, they don't get credit yeah. for this. I know. I, <laughs> Package I agree Mahomes for some you. picks. <laughs> and, and that's kind of why I look at it and I go, you know, the Jaguars. It, the funny thing about them is they actually do a decent job of talent evaluation. They have, like, they have, they have players. They do have some like, pieces, you yeah. about James Rodgers. They've got great wide receivers. Like, they, they are in a position where they're losing their talent nonstop. I don't think a team has talent and lets it go more often than them. Uh, but their backup running back is Carlos Hyde, who isn't a bum either. So you basically said, I know we have two really cheap running backs, but I would really, really, really love a third. And that's kind of crazy. It's like going to a buffet and being like, I'm just eating the mashed potatoes and gravy over and over again. And you're like, you have to get something else, man. I can't. I'm not going to keep eating with you if you keep showing up with ta just pounds of taters. It's just not going to happen. So um, I actually don't like what they did. I don't like Urban Meyer. Let's first say that the college game was driving early Urban Meyer to an early grave. He had to quit multiple times mm -hmm. due to his health. And the NFL game, we're talking about being easier. Uh, okay, that's the first I've heard of that. Uh, but, like, you know, you do you. I don't understand that. I feel like that's the signing to, like, draw fans in. Um, there's a team near me where I live, the Washington football team, that used to do that all the time. Big name signings, big name coaches to draw fans in. And the team sucked because when you suck at the top, you suck at the bottom. So... Uh, they kind of get torn out. Um, let's flip to the next team transitioning. Uh, your Jets. All right. Yeah. Yes, sir. I, I am going to let you go. How do you feel about your draft? 
Uh, so I, for the last decade, have had to deal with incompetent front office, incompetent head coaches, between Gase, who was literally a walking and laughing meme, and yeah. Mike McCagnin, who, and I sent Leo this not too long ago, like his track record as a GM for drafts and from when he was GM from like 2015 until 2019 and there's literally nobody left from who he picked and that's what Joe Douglas walked into and he got hired after his last draft. So to see Joe Douglas do what he's done with as far as, you know, getting the picks, um, extra picks for Jamal Adams, for Leonard Williams, and maneuvering how he has and what the hand he was dealt when he took the job and this offseason getting one of the top two head coaching candidates to come who is the complete opposite of Adam Gase. He's a player's coach, yeah. a leader of men. I'm sure you guys have seen some of the videos and saw some of his former players just kind of giving him props and rooting for him and saying how he got a winner. It's like night and day. And yeah. to go into this draft and I know some people, you know, have – their thoughts about Zach Wilson. Oh, I like Fields better, and I even like Trey Lance better, or whatever it may be. But I think they went and identified a guy who's going to be able to run that Shanahan system that we're going to be running from San Francisco the best with the play action, with a guy who can throw on the move, his accuracy, his arm strength, his ability to make stuff happen when things break down in the pocket and even in the pocket. So I respect that they did that. Um, I'm gonna be honest. I wasn't the biggest Wilson believer at first. Like he was giving me Johnny Manziel vibes, but that was before I actually like dove into the tape. Once you know the draft stuff started heating up, and it was like, okay, this is first you're gonna be the pick. Did more of my research and watched his film and stuff like that. And he's he's legit, and he's bigger than I thought too. I think he's like six two, six three, two fifteen. So he is a big boy. Yeah, he's he's bigger than I thought. But overall, I would say our draft was solid. You know. Um, because I've never seen us go four picks straight of offense. You get him yeah. arguably the best guard that was in the draft, who's versatile enough to play tackle. You're going to slide him next to Makai Becton, who was a home run hit last year. You go um, and get, with our next pick after that, Elijah Moore in the second, who yep. everybody said was arguably a first-round talent. And the fact that he was there for us early in the second, a dude who where Jamison Crowder, yeah, he plays a slot right now, but his contract's up after this year. It doesn't hurt to have additional weapons. And he complements Corey Davis and Denzel Mims perfectly. His route running is supreme. You play him in the slot, you play him in the outside, and he's that game breaker um, that we have in the offense. And then getting Michael Carter, the one of the best running backs who was in this draft, who arguably you can say after, obviously, Najee, Etienne, and um, Javante, his teammate at UNC, he was the next best running back on the board. And you didn't have to move up to get him. You got him in the fourth round. So... He'll be – that's four starters right there, arguably four first-round talents, definitely three first-rounders that were mocked by everybody. So I, you know, I, I really like our draft um, and what the future's, you know, going to hold for us. I think we'll be more competitive this year. Um, the AFC East is pretty tough. Um, Dolphins are already on the upswing. The Bills are already at the top of the division. And the Patriots getting everybody back who opted out last year and a healthy cam in that offense for, you know, under a year. But I think we'll be competitive and surprise uh, some people, man. So you can change, things can change quick in the NFL. I'm just liking what I'm seeing so far this offseason as a whole. So, only thing, his his thing, 
first, I actually love everything the Jets did except their except Zach Wilson. I mm-hmm. don't like Zach Wilson at all. I like the line. I like you beefing that up. I think your left side of your line is going to be great. The quiet thing they did in this offseason, though, your defensive line is going to be a top five defensive line in the NFL. Monster. Monster. Um, I think you have the right head coach. And your GM, Joe Douglas, uh, got his start with the Ravens and mm-hmm. worked throughout the Ravens organization for 15 years. Sure did. Uh, and, and then has transitioned around the league. I think that there's – I just – I look at the Jets. It's just going to be funny. I really look at the Jets as the team that goes, uh, I think you're going to – in two years from now, you're going to go and trade for one of those veteran quarterbacks to come in and push the team over the top. I just don't like Zach Wilson. I don't like him under pressure. Um, and here's the other here's the thing. I look at the entire list of quarterbacks that the Jets have ever drafted, and there ain't a good one on that list. Mm. And you could tough. say that it's it's been tough. I actually wikied it and just ran through a couple of them at the top. Uh, Zach Wilson, Sam Darnold, Mark Sanchez. Uh, Chad Pennington, Geno, Geno Smith, Smith, Bryce Petty, uh, Christian Hackenberg, bro, Helen trust me, Clemens I know. Oh. is a list, and I go, you know, I I almost see the forming of the Jets when they went to Mark Sanchez. They brought in a defensive-minded coach in Rex Ryan. Mm-hmm. They had a great offensive line, great defensive line. They plugged in all the pieces, and then they go and grab Brett Favre on the downside of his career. And they're they, now they're not going to get Brett Favre on the downside of his career. I think they're going to be much smarter. But I honestly see like a history repeats itself scenario. We're not going to know obviously till the games get playing. Yeah. Um, but I got to be honest. I think you guys put together an incredible le- the left side of your guys' offensive line. I think is going to be good for a long time. Makai Becton is if you're a, if you like line work, if you like big uglies beating the fuck out of big uglies, and occasionally that big ugly gets into like the secondary and just mollywops a corner, Makai Becton is I, I I'm surprised at how little chatter he got about how good he is. He really didn't get talked about until the end of last year, but my God, that guy is top. I really do think I'm going to sign on. I think the Jets really turned it around. I think you guys are going to be competitive for many years, as long as you keep Joe Douglas, as long as you keep Salah. Um, and that could mean flipping through people. I think there's going to be a lot. I think if the Zach Wilson thing goes sideways, I think that the – and you look, my, probably, you know, it's 50-50. We don't fucking know. Um, but I really think that everyone needs to avoid the whole, oh, well, they got the quarterback pick wrong. Let's – move on i really think you have your coach and you have your gm i mm-hmm. think of the future so I, I this is the first time i see, like we just talked about how we see the jaguars and we go man you guys just besides the gimme i don't think you did anything right and i look at the jets and i go god i i can't find anything wrong really you know you find your quarterback you find your quarterback i i really love the draft leo what's your take on this I don't have a strong opinion on on what the Jets did or the Jets' history either way. I, I was looking forward to you guys going at it, honestly. But I like their draft. Uh, I, my favorite pick personally, personally was Elijah Moore. Uh, I wanted him for the Titans maybe in the first round. I was hoping for maybe a trade-up into the second round to go get him. That didn't work out. It didn't happen like that. Uh, but I think that it's important to establish protection for your young quarterback. I think that they're doing right. that. I think it's important to get weapons for your young quarterback, and they're doing that. It's a lot more than yep. they did for Sam Darnold. Oh, for uh, well, sure. 
big time. I was, and look, the thing is, when you when you go through the draft and take a look at it, the reason why I can't hate it, if they would have gone out and drafted a bunch of weapons for Sam Darnold, um, just like strictly offensive players, I thought they kept themselves very balanced in their draft. Uh, I, I don't like Zach Wilson, but that's where it ends. It's hard for me to hate on a team run by, uh, you know, Joe Douglas <laughs> and a guy like Robert Sala. I just yeah. can't hate on those two facts. So that's where that's where the train of like let me be irrational and talk shit ends when I start looking at it. <laughs> I'll and so with the Darnold thing, a lot of experts you want to say Mel Kiper and Tommy Shea, a uh, few two to name, but were saying how we should have kept Sam, put more weapons around him, and things like that. Which I mean, I get people were saying, but Darnold was going into his fourth year. And I think it was half his fault and definitely half the organization's fault. Because if your best weapon that you've gotten since your time and you were a quarterback is Robbie Anderson, no knock to Robbie, he's, he did great this past year in Carolina, but he's not a true wide receiver one. I mean, things aren't really going to go well. Um, but at the same time, Sam really did not get better at what his faults were coming into the league. His turnovers the interceptions, the fumbles, the happy feet in the pocket. Like, I watched that man for three years, and it did not get better. Arguably, you could say that Joe Flacco was the best quarterback on our roster this past year. And <laughs> Joe Flacco <laughs> in 2020 Don't you dare. is not Joe Flacco from 2012. But Look, if it makes you yeah. feel better, he was arguably the best quarterback on our roster. And with that um, option coming up, that we had to guarantee him, I think, like $20 million when you had these quarterbacks in this draft. You got to reset the clock, man. Like, it's it was time for both parties to move on. I wish Sam all the success in Carolina, but it, it was just time to move on. You know, organization fault, you can blame us, blame him, but it just was better for both parties to go separate ways at this time, you know? Now, he did no self-growth through the whole time. No. And you are right. Look, I was actually looking uh, as someone who – pretty much gambles on every single game in the NFL. I was looking for Joe Flacco to take starts because I, I he was undoubtedly the better quarterback. Bro, when he played, and we had a chance. Like, <laughs> I know, and that's it. That's like the end of the analysis. I go, well, Joe Flacco steps in, and I'm a Joe Flacco fan, obviously, mm. as a Raven fan, but I make no qualms about who Joe Flacco is. I definitely think 2020 version of Joe Flacco – if he's even if one person in the stadium watches them both play and goes, you know, Joe Flacco gives us a shot. I mm. I got bad news for your other quarterback. Right. That dude can't oh, he wasn't set up for success, all this, all that. That's that's all great. But he just doesn't have it. And that's that's the way it is. So there was no oh, build around him. Go right. fuck yourself. Uh, move on. You gotta take swings at quarterbacks. You gotta go after the guys you think are gonna make you better. Sam Darnold obviously wasn't it, and the pa Carolina Panthers trading for him, they gave up a shitload. You guys got a haul for him, second I and mean, a fourth a next year. Appreciate that. I, I, I know you guys <laughs> should. So now you're building with your young quarterback. You're gonna get Carolina's picks. Mm -hmm. Oh, by the way, Carolina has no quarterback. Like they're they're just gonna try to get through this, and so. Going with Sam Darnold. So you know how that goes. They're going to be a number three pick. You're going to get the 35th pick in the draft next year. It's going to be great for you guys. Um, here's the point that I really like about the Jets. When you run through it, two cornerbacks, two defensive backs, defensive line, safety. 
that's who they take. That that's that's the meat of their draft. They go, we get our quarterback. Mm-hmm. They also get uh, Vera Tucker, who I, I you're going to completely solidify that left side of your line. That that thing's going to be locked up. And now you go, okay, quarterback line. We got our line. All right, we're gonna. When it fell to us, when it fell to us and made sense, we picked up Michael Carter. And the rest of that, from there on out, defense, 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 yep. defense, defense. Everything I love to see on a team. Uh, take swings at that. They didn't, you know, and they did the. There's a thing where you draft like the same positions over and over to hope one of them pans out. Two cornerbacks, two defensive backs. They double up in both ways and take a safety. They're covering all their bases. Love the Jets draft. Um, all right, let's move over now to the last team in the NFL that we're going to talk about. And this is the 49ers. And, uh, Leo, why don't you start us off? Thank God they didn't fucking pick Mac Jones. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank God. Ooh. Hey, man, I was, ready to, I was ready to flip a table over that Mac Jones shit. Boy. Yeah. <laughs> they traded three first, boy. Ooh. Hey, look, man, I mean, I know. I know that I said that the pick that I would have made would be Justin Fields, but I'm not mad at the Trey Lance pick because you, you're getting a similar type of skill set, a similar type of player. I know they're not the exact same player, but they offer similar, you know, similar upsides. And so I'm not mad if you take the younger prospect, the one that's got less mileage on him. You know, I'm not mad at the Lance pick at all. I actually think that Lance going to San Francisco is going to solidify their offense for years to come. We've seen that Jimmy Garoppolo can't. I mean, he can get him to the big game, but we saw what time it was with Jimmy when they got to the big game. So uh, I think with Trey Lance, they don't lose anything, you know, that they would have gotten with, with Garoppolo. But I think that the ceiling, it goes sky high, sky high. I think this offense might be crazy with Lance running read options to Debo Samuel, Raheem Mostert, to Trey Sermon. That offense is going to be crazy, man. I think maybe not this coming season, uh, but the 2023 season and beyond. This might be a juggernaut. Here's my problem. All right. First, there is this notion that Kyle Shanahan is now going to get his guy. That is the craziest thing I've ever heard. He traded for Jimmy Garoppolo. He took C.J. Beathard in the draft. He has undoubtedly already gone and tried to get his guy you trade up to the third spot giving up three first round picks and the guy you take has played what seven college football games yeah something like that that's not crazy to everyone that's (laughs) not like fucking crazy I, i mean i get you think it's your guy but is that trey lance how much was he on everyone's radar honestly like no buzz about him except for the 49ers Now, who knows what he becomes, but there's this notion that Kyle Shanahan with any quarterback is going to make it work. That's fun to say, but Kyle Shanahan hasn't made it work. He made Jimmy Jimmy G the one year, 100%, they go to the Super Bowl, a lot like Jared Goff. After that, the smoke and mirror is clear. Everyone realizes what it is, and and they, they drum it down on him. But it's not like Kyle Shanahan hasn't gotten his opportunity to go get his guy. That is a false narrative. He traded away assets now twice to go get his guy. And this is a team that we look at and we think, man, they're just a quarterback away. But they're kind of losing pieces every year now since that quarter, since that Super Bowl run. And I'm real interested to see how they turn this thing around because Trey Lance has almost no tape on him. 
I feel like they actually traded up and they were trying to use that three pick to make a trade and got caught. And they got stuck out in the open. We saw right before the draft, I mean, the Aaron Rodgers news goes crazy. I I don't know. To me, this does not smell right. I do not understand trading up that far to go get Trey Lance. I think you could have sat back and let the draft come to you and gotten him anyway. Um, you're trading up maybe into like the teens. We see who is he compared to? Who is it between the whole time? Him and Mac Jones, right? Mac Jones fell to where? 15. 15. There was no competition for maybe either one of these guys. And when that's the case, I really look at it and I go, I do believe that Kyle Shanahan is a a mastermind of offense. He understands offense. His dad understood offense, blocking schemes better than almost anybody in that era. He he did go up against some all-time goats in, in the 90s. Um, in the 49ers and, and the Cowboys, but uh, and for that matter, Joe Gibbs is a uh, Washington football team. But I don't know. First look at the whole draft, I go, you gave up three picks for Trey Lance. <laughs> I mean, all right. Uh, Justin Fields, to me, is getting so much goddamn disrespect. Uh, I just fucking hate it. I don't know. Do you think that there's a big difference between Fields and Lance, though? I mean, in terms of skill set, I'm not talking about production and what they've proven and, and you know, and so on and so forth. I mean, just the raw skills that you're going to plug into the offense. Is there a huge difference in what you're getting between the two? I don't see it. I just... Yeah, uh, Nate, no. I don't think there's this gigantic difference in their skill sets. But if you want to take the between the two, I mean, Justin Fields was a warrior last year. He played through a ton of injuries. He beat a lot of good fucking teams by putting that team on his back. He was an outside-the-locker-room absolute leader. He was mm-hmm. one of the vocal po- voices saying, let's get college football back together. You are getting someone that is mature on the field, mature off the field, understands high circumstances. So put all that, and then like we say, hey, maybe their skill set isn't that different. So you're going to take all that with Justin Fields and just say, hey, fuck all that. We're going to take the guy with a comparable skill set that's done less in his college career. That's my problem with this. I just can't I can't get to it. I get it's your guy, but inferior competition he played against. Uh, you know, it overcame way less obstacles and goes ahead of Fields. I, I, I'm, I think the Bears got an absolute steal with Fields. We'll see what it turns into, but I don't know. I don't think Shanahan has any type of track record whatsoever in determining who's a good quarterback. That's my point. I don't see any evidence that that's – that's a guy who's a quarterback whisperer. I think he can make things work because he understands offense. But there's no indication that Kyle Shanahan's great at drafting quarterbacks, by the way. That don't exist. No, no. I, mm-hmm. Kyle Shanahan has zero to do with the, the faith that I think I have in Trey Lance's career. Uh, before I knew where he was going to end up, I thought that he was going to be a successful quarterback. I just think ending up in that offense is the perfect situation for him. But all of that is, you know, regardless of of Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. All right. Um, Anybody have – well, before we go, we we have to touch on the Aaron Rodgers thing. We've got three (laughs) quarterbacks. We're going to do a more in-depth dive into this, but we've got two real big-name quarterbacks that want to fucking get the hell out of Dodge, and Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. Um, This news breaks. Real quick. One one word answer. Zell, does Aaron Rodgers play a game for the Packers again? No. Leo. Yes. 
Oh, I'm I'm gonna go yes as well, but I want to be on that no side so fucking bad, bro. I'm so <laughs> biased. Be... I'm fucking biased. Yeah. yeah, I mean everybody knows me. I love Aaron Rodgers. Like he's yeah. my favorite quarterback has been, um, and I'm a big advocate for how the Packers have not supported him or at least draft wise to get you know skill guys in. They passed on DK Metcalf. They passed on. Um, Justin Jefferson, they passed on Elijah Moore, this draft. Like, you could have gotten him so much other help alongside Devontae Adams, and they just refused to do it. Literally refused yeah. to do it. I don't understand why. And I, I just don't understand what their logic is at all. He's been to back-to-back NFC Championship games and with y'all basically not really supporting him. So... I don't get what the disconnect is over there. I don't know what they've got going on. That's really, honestly, truly the bias in me speaking that I hope he gets traded to the Broncos or the Raiders or whatever these other teams that are mentioned are because I feel like, especially the Broncos, they have weapons and pieces in place to where if he goes there, I feel like he'll have a chip on his shoulder and he'll want to just prove and show out. Um, And John Elway will get him what he needs, you know what I'm saying, versus him having to put a team on his back and his shoulders and, you know, try to carry them, um, you know, further along in the season. But I hope he doesn't play another down for them, um, and he needs to get the hell out of Green Bay. He needs to move on. That's it's no. Mm-mm. We're going to break all that down later as we get closer to the year. Maybe the trade will happen before then. Maybe they'll swap him and Russell Wilson. Who knows? That's going to wrap it up for us, the Pick and Play Podcast. Uh, you can find Zell. Thanks for hanging with us. People can find you at Zell underscore five on Twitter. You can find me. Yes, sir. Pick and Play 37. You can find Leo. Pick and scroll. As always, rate, subscribe, review. Stay safe out there. Get your vaccine. Let's get this thing popping this summer. This is going to be a fucking crazy fucking summer. Even the athletes are feeling it. They want out of their fucking town. We want out of our fucking houses. Let's fucking go. 